0: I am Desmond Bertrand Pitts, CEO of the Center for African American Military History.
1: And I'm Leanne Kelly, the communications coordinator. And, and this, this is, on is on the front, front lines. lines.
0: We have always been on the front lines. In this episode, we will discuss the who, what, why, and when of this podcast. So, Leanne, yeah, saddle up. Let's get into, let's get into it.
1: So the date is May 29th. Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Christian Cooper, the bird watcher in NYC, Omar Jimenez, CNN correspondent, and COVID were going on at the same time, at the exact same time. And I was furious. I was so mad I called Desmond, who mind you is my boss, and told him, we have to do something. Mind you, before this, Desmond and I had conversations about mixing the two and the museum and social stances and how, we, uh, how they intersected and how we could do it properly. And we both understood the importance of taking a stand, not only for us personally, but for the community as a whole.
0: So, Leanne, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it's almost like we were thinking the same thing, um, but we didn't know how to get involved um, personally, uh, and it did not affect the business. Um, so it was just a conversation between uh, the two of us. How do I, as a leader um, of a nonprofit organization of an African American owned uh, and operated business, take a stance, uh, but not have it affect the business? Um, but for the museum also to be a part of the movement in some uh, perspective. Uh, so we knew that we had to do something. We could not just sit and not take any type of action. Uh, so from there, we talked about um, joining the marches. We talked about things that we could do internally in terms of using the museum as a platform. I'm a huge advocate for using your stake in the community, using your um, your platform to make a stance, to make some type of, to incite some, some type of change. Um, so after... I think for me it was Amont Aubrey mm-hmm. and his the his story. What what struck me so much, I guess, is because I'm a jogger, um, and he was simply jogging. exercising jogging in his own neighborhood, and something simple as that really frightened me. That I could be jogging one day. And, you know, the next thing you know, my mom is weeping. My husband is weeping because my life has been taken away. So I immediately put myself in his shoes, in his athletic wear, whatever he had on that day. And it was extremely, extremely emotional for me because I identified with him. Not only being a black man, but like I said, somebody who jogs. It's something simple as that, that I felt an extreme connection with him and all I knew was his name. Mm-hmm. And all we knew was the story of the news. Um, no personal connection to him or to George Floyd or to Breonna Taylor um, and the many other names that's come before them, years before them, Sandra Bland, which is sure. specific to Houston. Trayvon I think Martin. Trayvon Martin. Um,
1: Michael Brown.
0: The list absolutely goes on. So it's it's one of those things where you have to be involved. I felt compelled to to be a part of the movement. Not only you know with the marches, but what can I do um, in my leadership, or what can the museum do um, to help advance this movement?
1: I agree. I agree. Like I remember us talking or conversing over Instagram Live. About this, uh, after we had done some of the marches, and I and I remember telling you specifically that the marches and being a, and doing something is not as little because it, it was, it 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 was enormous for us to take that stance, but to to be a part of the marches, to take a stand on on social media and say, of uh, half posts that resonate with our our lives and and resonate with our experiences as Black people. Uh, It made me. It made me. Not understand, but digest it better. uh, That this is actually occurring because I think when Breonna Taylor happened, that was my wake up moment. Like that was my call to action moment. Because even though the other names have definitely been, you know, in my heart, and I know the importance of it, and I know the fact that, and I'm not trying to say the, the. what we what we said not to say, but the what the movement what the movement really means for me. um I mean, it, was is, it is what it is.
0: It's the Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, Matter movement. movement.
1: But uh, Breonna Taylor was important to me because that was my that's my age group. That is a woman who was trying to better her life was bettering her life, and for her to just be be killed because and and no one cares. It's just. Yeah, that was when it was like, yeah, we have to do something. And I totally told Desmond we have to do something.
0: Yeah, I could I could see that because the way I identify with Abroad, um, and even with George Floyd, you would identify with Breonna Taylor because it's more specific to
1: my age to, group to
0: your age group, and then she's a woman. a
1: woman.
0: Um, So there had always been a target on black male lives, mm. um, and we always we've talked about it for years. We've talked about the 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 pipeline to prison, you know. Uh, we have prison young black complex
1: and things like that. Right.
0: We have black boys who come out of school and go straight to the prison system. They go to the streets. But it's becoming more and more clear that it's just black lives in general. So oh, yeah, at I all think levels. That's where the Black Lives Matter movement comes from because it's all black lives. Mm-hmm. We're talking we can even go into trans lives. I mean how many how many of you know the trans trans community have lost their lives due to you know stu- stupidity? Trans. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just being just being, being themselves. themselves.
1: Like yeah, uh, and I think that that that's the point of of me being so angry was that at all levels, whether you are a um, bird watcher, a CNN news correspondent, yeah. um, a jogger someone that's an EMT who was supposed to, who is a frontline worker during the pandemic, or was a frontline worker during the pandemic, all of these people are being, um, are being victimized just due to their race, just due to their skin color. And so I think we had to make a stance, and those stances were, you know, being a part of the movement.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How did you feel
1: about that, though? How did you feel about being a part of the marches and being a part of uh, the movement as far as... Black Lives Matter.
0: So the marches were a little, I would say strange for me, because I always I wanted to compare it to the civil rights movement because of the stance that they took and the power that came from that. Um, so I expected it to not mirror that, but at least be close to it. And I think it was in terms of the crowd, um, I think what was really, really different, and I heard uh, a few of the civil rights leaders talk about this, um, was the diversity, was that it was, in the civil rights era, it was mostly black and brown people who were marching, but this time, it was faces from all backgrounds. I mean, you can look left, look right, it was you know Asian American, it was Caucasian, it was Indian, it was just multi- racial, um, and I can appreciate that, and I think that it was very emotional, uh, it was an emotional experience, uh, wearing masks, so that was, I guess that's what made it awkward and different, um, people were in the mass, but the, the marches that we went here in Houston, um, it's really difficult to do socially distant marches, uh, so that wasn't a huge component of it. But we were all, you know, in our mask, and we all kind of stayed with the people um, for how many marches did we do? At least three, right? you did, I, or two? You
1: did three. I did two. With well, we okay. did two together. Yeah. We did one. The very
0: first one we were, it was just us. It was just us. Yeah.
1: And it, but we were very like it was. It was that was the Mont Arbury march and. Um, it was more so running and exercising because that's what he was doing. Right. Uh, but the second one was when all of it was a, co- a combination of all of these um, these incidents, and we, everyone was just furious. Mm-hmm. To to use lack of a better word, they were just pissed off, uh, yeah. upset. Right. Uh, and so, I think I think the second one was definitely more of trying to um get it out because there is anger. Uh, yeah. There I mean you want to sit there and say yeah this is a, this is our own personal civil rights movement but no I think there's a lot of anger when it comes to black lives because it's like, how many times do we have to say our lives matter just as much yeah. as any other group of people in this country? Like, what do I have to do? I have to have a degree. I have to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Be polite. Be mannerable. Be respectful. Not sag my pants. What else is there? Like, is there a checklist in the fact that there has to be a checklist
0: right.
1: for us to even, like, say, oh, well, this person's life mattered? Like, No. No, and I think at that point we were just like upset. To add to the point of of George Floyd, you could see the officer. After the people the people who were recording him looked at the officer and said, Hey, like, this man is dying. You're yeah. killing this man. And he looked at the he looked in the camera and just did not care. And I think for the first time, we saw that negligence, that level of negligence, like I don't care, yeah it's not yeah. my life
0: it was it was it I'm was gonna get
1: off over I hate like I yeah. can do this, and there's nothing you can do about it. You right. just sit back and look at it, yeah. and I think for me like that, and I think for the rest of the country, we were just like fed up, like yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: I think um, to add to what you said, I think that did it, but that did not only do it for black and brown people, mm-hmm. it did it for the world. just the world yeah. because. I've had several conversations with colleagues um, in some rooms where I was the only black or brown person. Mm-hmm. I was the only black person, um, so I've had to have the uncomfortable conversation of this is this has been our norm for centuries. Ever, <laughs> um, so it's not something new, and I don't think that they really think that it's new. But it's it's clear privilege. Um, Mm -hmm. you know we call the thing the thing you know it's the white privilege it's growing up with not having to suffer not having to walk at a place and somebody look at you you know sideways or walk into a store and somebody follow you Um, it's that thing it's been years and years and centuries of that uh, type of treatment that we've gotten and after they saw that officer with George Floyd that's been the conversation since then they did not realize it was to that degree which I one on one hand I don't understand how you do not see that how you did not see that um, but on the other hand I can appreciate people wanting to stand in solidarity mm-hmm. wanting to um, advocate wanting to be allies now um, but it's it's never too late so I don't want to get that misconstrued but it's like where have you been? Wake up.
1: Well, I mean, we say this all the time in our own little conversations, our sidebar conversations that people are in their bubble. They stay in their bubble and they experience what they experience all the time and they don't look at they don't look outward for any other other experiences. I think with the knee on George Floyd's be, on George Floyd's neck, excuse me, for 9 minutes was it, it, it was more than just a knee on the be- on on the neck it was more it was like oppression for on a group of people for four or five hundred years um uh, that we just saw blatantly I think and I think that's what really just struck a chord with the world because you had all over the world from London to certain parts of the middle east they were they were protesting um. In solidarity, in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. And I think it was because, hey, it's not just black people. Yeah, black people are being killed at disproportional rates, of course, but that, that, that knee is on everybody's Everybody. neck that does yeah. not fit the mold or fit the status quo of, of what we are used to seeing. And so I think, I think, it, was a, I think it was a lot. It, it, it was, this summer, this past summer was very interesting. Because we saw a lot, um, and we experienced a lot, and there was a lot of emotion on top of the fact that COVID was happening. People were stuck in their rooms, and their houses. All they could do was watch social media, yeah. watch the nine yeah. minutes over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely became overwhelming. Um, I know for myself, I had stopped watching the news at, at a certain point because it was just too much. Like you said, we're in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> We have no idea what's happening.
1: The museum is closed, by the way. The so. museum
0: is closed. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you have to take a break. You have to take a breath from all of the issues that's going on. And I think during the time of George Floyd, which was really pivotal in the shift of, you know, like I said, we was in a, bit of a pandemic, um, but also what, how do we respond? How do we... Have this conversation. What do we do next? That type of thing. Um, And I was actually... I actually attended the George Floyd funeral. Um, So in that funeral, it was just so much of emotion. Um, It was people that had no idea who George Floyd was before this, um, which was me. Um, And a lot of other people in the conversation, you know, around this and to the left and to the right was mostly geared towards that's me. I am George Floyd. And that was something that resonated um, and that you could hear during the marches. You know, say his name, George Floyd. or Say her name, Breonna Taylor. That was the type of, of messaging that people are putting out. And I think it still resonates today. And one of the reasons why I was so, I guess, hesitant to join the movement or make some type of um, stance from the museum standpoint is because I don't want to just talk about it. Hmm. Um, I don't want this to be a 2020 thing. You know, 2021, people forgot about it. You know, it happens again and then we are, we're bad again. That's not what we want to do this time. Um, so, the way that we framed it here um, at the Center for African American Military History is that we're building community. Uh, So, building community is one of the four pillars of programs that we have here. And this year, we're celebrating 20 years. So, it's really, really important for us to make sure that we're getting involved with the community, that we're providing resources, providing platforms that people can engage with, um, that people are looking for. So, this platform gives us the opportunity to engage with supporters, with followers, with artists and activists Um, on the second and fourth Monday of every month, you'll be hearing from us. We're going to dive deep into the conversations, to the issues um, of today. Uh, We'll talk with artists, activists, men and women who serve, uh, veterans, same gender loving men and women, psychologists, therapists, faith leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs. We're we're not only going to talk about the issues, but we're going to talk about people, making a difference. So we're gonna talk to lawyers who are on the front lines, we're gonna talk to officers who are on the front lines. We're not gonna leave them out of these conversations because I think it's important to engage them in what we're doing. And uh, just the overall purpose of the podcast is to offer a place for us to speak about the state of black America, speak about what people are doing in their communities or what they're doing in their jobs, their careers, And how that's affecting the world.
1: Yes. Also, we want to talk about the black plight. I think that is one thing that we will will be a constant factor for us um, due to the fact that our experiences are black people. uh, We do experience those experiences. So um, moving forward with that, Desmond. Yeah. Resources. What's going on? Programming. We got programming on top of programming this year.
0: Yeah, we've got... Everything going on. Uh, Like I said, we have four pillars. We have history and renown, which is all of our history uh, components. We have uh, grit and determination, which is an oral history uh, program. We have living history, which is uh, reenactments of historical figures. Uh, We have an artist, artist and author speaker series coming out this year. We have the second pillar is mind, body, art, So this is where all of our artsy components come from. We got Painter History. We have uh, Fit to Serve, which is a a component of that is our mental health initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, We have Military Inspired Art, which has been a great event um, for the first two years, 2018, 2019. Couldn't do it in 2020, uh, but this year we're hoping to get it back together. We have building Community on the Front Lines is a huge component of building Community community. the community, building community pillar we have here. And then we have Youth Literacy and Development. Um, so we love the kids. Uh, we have a diorama contest that we're going to try to get back this year that we uh, initially started in 2020. Uh, we have a STEAM initiative. Um, and then we have uh, the Junior Trooper Program. Yep. So we've got a lot of things going on this year. You know, Visit our website. Check us out. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast because we'll be talking more about Uh, that information as well. Wrapping up, final thoughts. Uh, It is important that we be on the vanguard of change like the leaders and soldiers who have come before us. One of my favorite statements from Congressman John Lewis, he stated, if not us, who? If not now, when? That statement rings true in my leadership, in my life, Um, on our path forward here at the museum. It consists of us doing the work now. Uh, Join join us in the call to action as we saddle up and move this institution forward uh, and do our absolute best to move the country forward. Uh, Join us next time as we discuss our country's path forward. Uh, We will tackle the black vote, um, the Biden-Harris administration, cabinet picks, Uh, what the election meant to us, uh, and where we see the country moving forward. We We were were always on the front front lines. On the Front Lines is the Center for African American Military History production as a part of the Billion Community Initiative with support from the Houston Endowment and BBVA. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe.